Welcome everybody. This is another installment of Mamish and Why. Today we have the lovely Sadie El Campo Amor, Director of Community Affairs at the NYC Department of Education. Hey girl. Good evening. <laughs> <laughs> we both got pregnant oddly around the same time. And so we, you know, we took to the internet and it was like, what is up with all of like these white bitches and like oh, in Texas and like they just like live this very charmed life. And that's just wasn't our experience. And we're like this. So I something's got to give. Something's like, got to give. Yeah. And I took to, to Instagram to start like talking crazy um, because I was like, this is crazy. I feel yeah. like <laughs> I was lied to where are it's terrible. I was like, this is hard as shit. And I'm like, where are all like the rainbows? And like, you know, and I, I don't, I felt really guilty for a little bit because I didn't instantly like it. I didn't instantly sure. love motherhood. It, it wasn't, I thought that that was going to be very transformational. It was a year later, but at first I, coming from a person who was very content with her life, I, I just was like, I don't know if I like this. Yeah. You know, and so that was very hard for me. And so I started to research. And so funny enough, like Marlene called me one day and she was like, I have this idea. And I was like, I have this idea, too. And so we we kind of we didn't know the medium, but we kind of had the same idea. Yeah. Like we need to find other women of color specifically and like talk to their experiences. And ours is one because I think we all know the single struggling mom narrative, right? That's all that's always been sold to us as like our story. But that's not everybody's story. Sure. You know, you're married. And you wanted to I still am married. You no, right, you're married and still married and you wanted to be pregnant. The first year is tough. And nobody tells you anything on the internet except for either like, oh uh, like I'm just I never change and I'm just got spit up everywhere, which is like, uh, that's frightening. <laughs> or hey, like snap back, bounce back, feeling so right. skinny oh, fit. Within a week and a half. Me. Within a week and a half. And you're like, like or the decoration now. of like their <laughs> five hundred square foot right. um nursery. And which I was like, we something. live in a one bedroom apartment. Like we're trying to figure out like a baby corner. Yeah. I don't have like a full on <laughs> nursery with like real furniture. You know, so those those and that, and I think that our still? perspective, we you, still live in a yeah, room. Yeah, we do. Work. Um, well, we moved. On, so we were in a studio apartment. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, that, you, you right up here. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was. We were not trying. And you let me know when I need to put these on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when we're ready to rock and roll. Um. Yeah. No. Both of ours were very unexpected. I I, I don't think I know many people in my circle that, you know, actually plan it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm pretty sure people do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it happens. Yeah. People do. Obviously. We've Did been, you? Yeah. Yeah. You planned it. Yeah. Oh, well, here I we took go. a whole year to think about things. Try really. Yeah. I, I mean, I needed to. Was it difficult? Trying or getting, getting mentally prepared, getting mentally mom. prepared. I know I was, you know, once I found out and it was a reality for me, I was going crazy, like driving myself nuts, mm. anxious as a yeah. motherfucker. Like I was really, 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 really um, having a hard time with it. So I, so I, I wonder if you're actually planning it. It's a little different because you want this, you know, like you're yeah, taking the right yeah. steps. No, I took my, I took a long time to start thinking about trying literally really? like where we're like, okay, like he was ready. And I was like, I need time. And a lot and a, and a full year well, because time. you're the one that physically gets pregnant. Yeah. I also was the one who was like adopted and have intimacy issues and was really afraid of being a mom. So that's a I, I added that in there. I figured you guys were. I, well, I don't know. I well, added well I wanted to ask you so specific because I always want to ask, you know, before we, we get into this and you'll be able to preview this. I want to I like to oh, be like you. full, yeah, yeah, fully yeah. just full disclosure. You'll be preview the edited version before we put it out. So oh, everyone gets to preview their own and sign off. And be like this. It's fine. Yeah, um, because we do honestly. 
honestly, even though we do talk a lot of shit and like discuss a lot of different stuff, some of the stuff is sensitive. So I don't want you to ever feel like, oh, it's out there now. Yeah, and yeah, I don't yeah. want that out there. But no, no. is there anything we that you don't want no, us to discuss? I will discuss? say this is off the record if I do. Okay. 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 And say like, hey, this is just for the sake of the conversation. I want to let you know. But okay. That's yeah. fair. But no, no, I think it's important. I mean, it took me a long time in my life to be able to talk about being adopted and intimacy issues and all types of things because, you know, we got our shit. Yeah. But at this point, I think it's important. It's important colors the about. whole colors my whole thing and, yeah. and ultimately i actually ended up liking being a mom and it's okay yeah yeah, <laughs> I'm <all right>. yeah. <laughs> i loved my kid when he came out but you know it was touch and go it yeah. was touch and go <laughs> you know it's interesting like, leading into it was very like prior to prior to to my you know acceptance of becoming a mom i always told myself that i would adopt um, that if I couldn't, you know, contribute my body, um, to procreate that I would at the very least help out a child in need. And so it was always clear to me that I would be a mom, I guess in some capacity. Sure. Right. But I, but I was totally against just, you know, having my own child and all four adopting. You know what? I was always very yeah. open to that also. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like the, I thought about adoption it. was like badass. I was like, I'm I mean, there's like mad kids in the world that need, need a family. A mom and, and, a dad. Um, and if it just doesn't work out for me, I could do that. You know, like I yeah. Cause I don't think that we were so I just think the pregnancy thing, like nobody really prepares you for that shit. Like <laughs> some people are like ecstatic to be pregnant like they're just so happy and very comfortable that was neither one of our narratives but I, so but, I, but I was excited to talk to other people that were really were excited because i'm like oh that's great like it makes you feel better like you're not the it kind of made one. me feel shitty oh yeah <laughs> i felt better yeah. i, like, I okay. felt shitty because i was like damn what's what am i doing wrong like why don't i feel i, I honestly like um just a couple of days ago cortez like is my son um he looked up at me for the first time and said, I was telling Amanda this yesterday. He looked up and said, I love you, mama. And I was like, I'm like I just out of nowhere, I didn't, I wasn't telling him that I love him. He just stopped and looked up at me, looked up at me and was like, I love you, mama. Oh and I'm like, oh my God. Like it, I imploded. And yeah, of course. I think Yay, that was Cortez. a moment. Yeah. That I was, <laughs> yeah, I know. That's so sweet. That was the first, one of the first moments, like really up until he turned two, that I was like, I really like this right now, even though he's fully in his terrible twos and it's so hard <sighs> and I'm so tired, but I really enjoy it right now, mm -hmm. but I wasn't enjoying it for a really long time. And yeah. so I'm always interested because you thought about it so much and you, I'm sure, like they say, no one can ever fully prepare you, but you did think about it. It was intentional. And I think that's a whole different experience from what we had. Yeah. I mean, my husband said to, uh, I mean, said to me, we had a conversation that he was very ready for a family. And he also very well knew that I have and had serious abandonment issues. I was adopted. I was raised in a loving family of just me and my mom, mm -hmm. but that didn't ever mean that I knew that I was going to feel intimacy towards my own, my own son. Is it bothering you? Yeah. It's like, I can just hear myself. So I want to just take, okay. Is that you okay? Can. Yeah. yeah. Is that fine? Okay. Anything Sorry. Is it good for the visual to have it on? But it was, it was distracting my, my train of thought. Okay. We're um, so used to it. Um, so yeah. So I, you know, I, I was very afraid. I was afraid that I wouldn't love my kid. I have, um, you know, I had a lot of troubles uh, expressing myself in an in intimate and like emotional way other than being kind of emotional and high drama. But, you know, <laughs> I just was I was honestly afraid that I wouldn't have the capacity to love my kid um, and very nervous about it. Also, I'm a thick woman, always been a thick woman. And like pregnancy seemed really beautiful, but also was the, still the premise of getting bigger. Mm -hmm. And I never I was always That's fighting against um, those sort of. Demons. expectations yeah. and to be smaller and to be fitter and to be not thicker. Um, and so that awkward phase of like 12 weeks to 18, 19 weeks, remember that where you're sort of just thick and not showing, yeah. you're just like, things don't fit and I'm just big. Um, so that was awkward, but mostly I really loved being pregnant and, you know, thankfully I did actually love, 
I loved um, I loved my son when he came out. I mean, it was a 55-hour long labor that stopped wow. for a full 18 hours because I had a bad attitude at the uh, hospital and was just like shutting it down. Mm-hmm. I don't like this. I don't like strangers. Um, Virgo. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, guilty as charged. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, but but so far it's it's been, you know, it's been good, but it's been tough. And I think one of the things that dr- drove me or intrigued me about your particular platform here was that the Internet actually was is an awful place for motherhood for me, mostly. Um, I haven't found any spaces that I felt particularly great. There are a couple handles like Birth of a Mama and Tribe de Mama that I like. Love we follow Mama. both. Yeah. yeah, I like those. They're I representative. They kind of feel like a touch of real, but also like the magic. Um, but everything else felt very prescriptive, very forth in white woman that had a snapback attitude. And I guess for me, um, I was very frustrated with always a snap back and a get back. Like no one's going back. Mm-hmm. Right. We got a kid Ever. now. Like nothing nope. is back. That's, that's, that's a it. major, we're major point. Forward. Yeah. Now. We're <laughs> like, we can get world. hella thinner or whatever you think What's is the plan now? Whatever, but forward. You, you're never not gonna go back there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was a premise that I wanted to explore and continue to want to explore. Additionally, um, there's, there is a sisterhood and motherhood. It's real. Yeah. I, as an, as when I was not a mom, I sort of thought like, eh, you know, I'm not sure if I'm buying it. Uh, but it's real. Mm-hmm. Like once you cross that threshold and I was the only person of my crew of girls to get pregnant, to be married, to right. want to be pregnant, mm-hmm. um, at that time, and now they're starting to have babies little by little, which is very sweet. But I was definitely very alienated and isolated at times and newborn life. I mean, how about that? <sighs> Feeding around the clock, uh, then going back to work, pumping three times a day, sometimes four. Yeah. Brutal. It's a beast. Um, and, you know, only we know that that lived experience and there's lots of different lived experiences. I'm also adopted, as I've said now a million times, but <laughs> saying all that to say that I am particularly uh, was drawn to this because I'm sensitive to different shaped families. My mm-hmm. mom chose to be a single mom, a single adopted mom at 40 years old. Not a lot of people do that and didn't qualify for a leave at the New York Times because she chose to adopt. Um, so she had to take her and vacation And isn't that days. interesting? Because you would think that the New York Times or any sort of major media communications um, outlet would be way more progressive than that. I well, mean, come on. Right. Yeah, for even, sure. It was the 80s, but it was even a, a standard idiot would know that you know, you're taking in or your mom was taking in someone, a baby, a child, and you need time to assimilate. That's it's like that's she just didn't count sense. as a mom. How old were you when she adopted you? Uh, I got I came to the United States at 10 months old. OK, she had paperwork for me at six weeks old. So you wow. were an infant. Mm hmm. I mean, <laughs> That's so uh, yeah. disgusting. The, the, it, you, you absolutely you said it correctly that she was almost discounted as a mother. Her motherhood experience wasn't even, um, you know, taken into consideration whatsoever at all. And so, like you said, you were raised by a single mom and um, she's American white lady. She is. And so that that must have been really interesting in terms of just identity and growing up um and missing out on all the homemade pupusas. <laughs> Salvadorian food has a special place in my heart because. Ooh. So, I mean, did you. OK, I guess. Can you talk about why you were put up for adoption? I know that you, you know, you said your father um, was killed in the guerrilla the raids in the mm-hmm. raids. Yeah. Um, that little war that happened in Central America. Little war. Yeah. yeah. It was 1984. Mm-hmm. There was a civil war going on in El Salvador. Um, I only found all of this out, mind you, when I, I was 24 years old, when I went wow. back to El Salvador to find my family. Okay. Um, so this does not come with like the adoption papers. I just had like sort of old type writer written Spanish, sort of like barely there uh, information. information. So that was, that's for another podcast. But uh, needless to say, my birth mother told me that um, because she was single, her mother went to the municipalidad and put me up for adoption at six days old, came back to the house, which was like in El Campo, like El Puro Campo. I saw it with my own two eyes and told her that she put me up for adoption. How is that even yeah. possible? Jesus. And 
I st- actually stayed with my birth mother for eight months. Can you imagine? When you went back at 24? No, no, no. When I was a baby. When you were a baby. zero to eight months old, I stayed oh, so with you... my birth mother. I was like breastfed and cared for. And then went for like a month or so to like a little baby orphanage, I guess, in between. Okay. And then went to my mom in New York City. So did you, so you I mean, imagine? And the trauma that she lived she with. She must have been crushed. Yeah. I mean, you can only imagine when I showed up at her door. She was like, what? Oh, how was that? <laughs> that that was, must have been super emotional. It was intense. But I had to like sort of. Power like, through it. Pretend like I was sort of zooming out and looking in mm. to emo- to be able to emotionally carry that through, you know. And then also I had to like sit through her and her mom's whole thing. Oh, so oh, did she? Was I, there a confrontation? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So, you know, I guess I'm sharing this to say that you know we do a lot of work as women to become ourselves, to find ourselves. Absolutely. I, Spent like nearly two years learning Spanish so that I could eventually go find my family, which I never knew I would, but I did. Mm -hmm. So this was a long time coming. And then ultimately, you know, becoming a mother for me meant a lot more than just like, oh, I'm going to just care for this baby. No, that's a big deal. It was um, it was it was tough. It was a tough decision. Uh, And ultimately, I kind of like you sort of envisioned myself as a mom always, but really had trouble you know, like the way I dealt with very intense situations was to zoom out and just pretend like I was sort of not there. Like I was the one sort of not crying in the scene. Mm-hmm. Right. Being like, tanto tiempo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? Yeah. Where everyone else is, you know, being hella emotional and present. I just, is tough for me. So imagine that thinking of myself as a mother, like, you know, will I be able to be there? Will I really find the yeah. empathy and the compassion? And the answer is I did. Thankfully, that's not the case for everybody. And, you know, our lived experiences are real. Sure, because that was stress is real. I think probably other than um than childbirth, that seems like one of the most impactful moments of your life. So for you to be able to remove yourself and kind of look at it from the outside looking in is pretty incredible. I would have probably been a mess. Yeah, and so that no, is admirable. Have, but <laughs> you would have. We would have, you know, we just do it. You do we just it. You just one, do. The same way you feed your kid round the yeah. clock for the first however many weeks, you know, it's a blur at this point. Do you still keep in contact with your birth mom? Actually, she hit me up today, weirdly. Really? She, yeah, she comes, she pops in. Does she WhatsApp you like real Latina or? She Facebooks me. Oh, okay. Real Latina. <laughs> real Latina. <laughs> the other real Latina. I know. I'm just like, no. Latinos love Facebook. Oh, yeah. They're like WhatsApp. Here's my email. Here's my cell phone. Please contact me these ways. Don't Shoot me a text. Me That's um, pretty cool. So you married your childhood sweetheart, your high school sweetheart? Yeah, you know, that's a stretch. He's been my homie. Okay. Nice. <laughs> we were not like childhood sweethearts. We were childhood homies. Friends. Okay. Been homies. Okay. And yeah, we ended up, you know. Getting married. Yeah. How long were you and guys? We're still married. Is that? <laughs> it's been a journey. I like, I wanted to, I, you see how I was trying to put a very romantic spin on it and you were like bringing me back down to earth. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, how long were you guys married before you decided to conceive? Uh, I gave birth to Rafi in 2016. We got married in 2012. Okay. Yeah. So it was a couple of years. A little bit of time. And does he come from like a very big family? Is he very... He's Afro-Cuban and Jewish. We were both raised by white Jewish moms. His father has not been around so much. Mm -hmm. And that was ultimately why we became best friends in high school. We were both felt constantly too light to be dark, too dark to be light. Mm -hmm. Um, And always felt... Yeah. And always felt very you know, just like bonded. We had an unbreakable bond as like homies and weirdos. So, uh, you know, making a fam, we also were usually the only person of color at our tables, at our holiday tables anywhere. And that sucked. And we were very brutally aware of it. Um, also our moms wanted the best for us. And that meant being very, one of very few people of color in good schools. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we both carry a whole bunch of internalized racism Mm -hmm. and, it, you know, complexities about our identity because of it. Um, but ultimately got great education. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. went on to college, et cetera. So, you know, we we're blessed for, for it in some ways, but ultimately we were very uh, conscious and excited about raising a kid and making our own Brown family and starting our own roots in our own way on our own terms. 
Um, and how have you been able to do that? Like, how do you practice or teach or instill culture? How do you do that coming from both of your guys' backgrounds that are very um, diverse? Sure. And probably not traditional to like ours. Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I mean. And that doesn't take away any, like you're not any less brown or any less Latina, especially mm-hmm. living in this country. Sure. So I'm very interested to know, like, how do you guys... I guess, practice culture with with Rafi. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting. Um, I actually, thankfully, I did take the time to speak Spanish and live in Costa Rica for a a little over a year and a half. And, um, you know, his dad is around. When his dad's around, you can't not, you know, he's a Latino Cuban. He's from Cuba. So it's not (laughs) like... Can't deny it. Yeah, it's not like a we're disconnected. He probably sort of grew up more connected, obviously, to being a Cuban man and what that meant. Me and my mom have had a lot of work to do around race and culture Mm. in our family and finding my own identity. But needless to say, I think we both felt like it was mm, one sort of tapped into our ancestral connection to just like our Latin spirit, right? Like Mm -hmm. we can dance, we can have good Spanish accents. Mm -hmm. We like (laughs) no good food. We Mm -hmm. cook, we like do it. You know, we are, it's like, you're a Latino family. We're a Latino family. And there's just like ancestral connection. That's a real thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and ancestral sort of intelligence. That doesn't have that to be learned. And you just, and you just tap into it when you're a mom, it really just comes. Mm-hmm. Um, I deliberately try to speak um, to, uh, Spanish to Rafi as much as possible, but certainly incorporate it with books and vamos and just a mm-hmm. little things. And I don't have to try because at this point I've gotten comfortable in it. my own yep. skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just, it just happens. Um, also, we've been very conscious about who we bring around, who we consider our family, because we're only children. We've had to, like, our friends are our family. We've so that that's that's so it. So don't have like a ton of siblings or right to have that shared yeah. experience with, right? Yeah. So we have hella mixed people all around us mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Haitian Italians, a little wow. black Puerto Rican, mm-hmm. a little you know nice. this that the third, and so. For us, being anti-racist is a lived experience, right? I mean, granted, we're people of color, so you sort of, at best we are. That's yeah. a whole other, at that, best. for sure. At, yeah. at best we are. <laughs> I, I consider myself mm-hmm. one, but uh, <laughs> um, in our community, it's very important to us. It's central. Mm-hmm. It's not like without, it's not a backdrop. We have friends with um, all different skin colors and all different backgrounds who come from different homes, who identify different ways. So I think that's you know, sort of core, core mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're organizers, literally community organizers. That's where we got our start um, as, as careers. So where were you guys raised here in Manhattan? Yeah, here in the city. Yes. I was um, raised in Gramercy Park on 21st Street and Jesse across town in Chelsea, oh, nice. 27th Street. Yeah. Yeah. We're like townies. Yeah. <laughs> we still live in Chelsea. You guys are very much townies. And I, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder. really if, weird. I, I love that. Um, I know very few people that have grown up are you from New York? actually downtown. No. So I know. Uh-huh. So I was born in California and I kind of, I, w- I say finished my finishing years up here. Okay. I've been here for 20 years. So like, okay. yeah. Um, and I've still been here since I was a kid, but I was uh, born in California. Are you guys California. like 80s babies too? About 30 are, something? Yeah, yeah, I'm 36. So she's 35 and 35. she's a millennial. Yeah. <laughs> um, we get to an age of we're just 30 something and it's fine. No, no. I like the number. Fair. I like, I like the the year mark and I, I've worked for it. Yes. We have earned it. <laughs> I like, I like my years. <laughs> Um, what I, so I want to talk a little bit about your work because, um, yes, I think that it's incredibly important and I found, you know, the videos that you've sent me online, I think that they were incredibly impactful. Um, so you are, I guess, so the, your official title is director, director of community affairs for the NYC department of education, which falls under the house of sort of like the the mayor's wing like correct it's a city agency okay. so we have the mayor's office but mm-hmm. the mayor has multiple city agencies the biggest city agencies are the new york city department of education and then the nypd okay um mm-hmm. and we huh. we have a nearly 40 billion dollar budget mm-hmm. the department of education we serve 1.1 million students we oh have gosh. about 1600 schools we serve over 800,000 meals a day. Mm-hmm. If we were a state, we'd be the ninth largest state, just the New York City Department of Education. We have about 130,000 teachers. Um, we're huge. Okay. We're enormous. Um, it is a force. It is a behemoth, mm-hmm. and it is like bureaucracy at best, but um, but I'm a public school graduate, and okay. 
I just told you where I came from. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so the fact that my mom was able to send me down the block to a safe and quality public school is what every single parent deserves. Sure. No matter what zip code they live in. Mm -hmm. And for me, that contrast of coming from El Campo, going to the PS41 and the labs of New York City, I know that we can do this for every single kid. Mm -hmm. And so that sort of has informed my passion for public service, but specifically uh, public education um, for the last 10 years or so, I would say, Um, not to date myself. And... (laughs) Um, and the deeper I get down the rabbit hole in the department of education specifically, I realize, okay, I want to be here. I'm making, I'm clearly making this a career, I'm making public service my life and in some capacity. And so, uh, I need to invest in it, especially what with the, uh, recent presidential election, Yeah, I felt like I'm a mom. I don't have the luxury to just like give up hope and not give a shit. Actually now is like, probably the time where I need to give a shit even more. The most shit. Yeah, the biggest shit. The biggest, the I have shit. to actually give the biggest yeah. shit. And so what that meant for me was to invest in my communities. Um, and so that meant, you know, water my community, the family I'm telling you about that I'm raising Rafi within um, like a garden and treat them and nurture them with love and care and respect. But also in my workplace. Yo, we have hella moms at the DOE. Okay. Like, like don't why you are we have a, a running... group DOE moms? Yeah, well, I'm going to get there. Yeah. We, um... We have hella moms at the DOE. Teachers. I mean, can you think of all the teachers that are like of childbearing age, right? That mm-hmm. don't have paid parental leave. Can you think about all the like people who are just working for the system? I mean, in the nonprofit world and education, it's like all women almost all the time. Mm-hmm. And we, what, what are we, we're like the cobbler with no shoes. Mm. And it was insane. And so I came back to work. Well, let's actually rewind. Before I, I got even had a baby, I was pregnant and realized like, Yo, how am I going to pay my student loans? Mm. How am I actually going to pay my student loans? Forget my like good old fashioned American credit card debt. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I have actual bills that just they ain't going to quit. Right. It's a huge burden. It's an actual thing. And I also wanted to be home like for a significant amount of time, not eight weeks. Like that for me was not going to be a reality. But I also was that the standard at the DOE? Like um fmla so okay. federal uh family medical leave, leave act. act sorry yeah. yes so that just guarantees that you can take 12 weeks unpaid and keep your insurance and have job security okay which is great um at kind of it's fine mm-hmm. but it's certainly not like a real working reality for most working people in right. new york city mm-hmm. you know do you have three months rent just sort of saved up and also to live and to not then and drain your, your entire thing and, and, right diapers everything it's was it's it was unreasonable and inhumane at best to be honest and i and i still think it is um so I worked very quietly internally, and I think a lot of the people in the administration, um, Bill de Blasio, uh, the mayor himself, and of course his cabinet level members felt the same, but we're not sure. How do we pay for this? What do we do? Um, but ultimately we landed uh, in December 2015, uh, December 22nd, I believe, in a really good place where we could guarantee for the city managers because that were non-union because unions negotiate their own contracts. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm not here to say anything about that, but I do wonder, you know, why hasn't that been at the forefront of every union contract, specifically around, you know, the UFT perhaps or the CSA where I could tell you why the majority it's run by men. Are. <laughs> there aren't enough women in leadership skills in the unions. I'm in a union. And when I walk in the room, I feel I like I want to put you out there. I feel I like a minority. Say. And and to be completely honest and very blunt, I really don't fuck with them. What union are you in? Should we not say it? It's off the record. Yeah, maybe I should. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's all no, it, we can it's keep a big, a big one. We can keep the unions off the record, and I don't need to be saying anything about them either. Yeah, but it's let me just one. let you know that I, it yeah. makes me feel freaky. So, and not in the good way. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you for that. Sadie, could you explain to us those just so that everyone knows yeah. what is the current policy? Yeah, that's what I was going to get back to. So, separate and aside from union contracted negotiations that happen for many of our city workers. Um, there are managers in the city that are not affiliated to unions. They serve at the pleasure of, um, and in my capacity and in many people's capacity, specifically 30,000 people's capacity, um, they serve at the pleasure of their bosses or they were appointed, et cetera. And they're, so they're managerial positions, not, um, union. And therefore the mayor was able to issue what is, it's like an executive order in some ways. It's not called that. It's called something like a personnel order. But needless to say, it's six weeks of full pay 
uh, for managers in the city. And that would have impact immediately 30,000 people. Um, and they figured out a way to pay for it by, I think some folks got like one less day of vacation, but, uh, but these are still, this is, these are still personnel life. at the managerial position, which you already earn a little bit more than like your average employee employee. Absolutely. Right. I mean, n- n- I'm sure not you know, thousands and thousands more, but at least we're there's a like little this. bit more. You're like a solid middle class in New York. Right. Right. Probably elsewhere you're caking, but like in New York, you're a working family, right? Mm-hmm. You're still living check to check. You're still paying your bills. Yes. Maybe you can afford a manicure, but then you become a mom and you can't anymore. Right. Anyway. So the point is, is that, uh, that six weeks of guaranteed pay on top of me taking all of my vacation helped me, uh, get 12 weeks of paid leave. Okay. And then I took personally an additional two and a half months um, that was unpaid. Without pay. And I got, and I had to get off of insurance totally and, and hope that, and thankfully, and hope for my job back. But thankfully I had spoken to my supervisors in advance and said, look, this is what I'm going to do. But you get off of insurance. And so how is your child insured? Yeah. So for many people, they wouldn't, I have a partner, but for many people that would be a risk, right? You don't, you wouldn't be insured. Your Mm -hmm. child wouldn't be insured. God forbid anything. And at that age, I mean, you, the baby needs to be insured like every every little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that I'm here to obviously say that I am so thankful for those six full weeks paid. Um, it made a huge difference at the time. My husband was also working for the city in a manager, uh, position. So he got six weeks paid. I was going to say, so this was, this was open for men and for women. Yeah. And for foster families and for adopted families. Amazing. Um, yeah. And same sex families and, you know, people who identify. What's crazy is why do we get into like, you have a baby that, that should be the the point. That's who cares. Very much as a baby. You have a baby. Yeah. What, what was the policy prior to that? Uh, federal, uh, the Family Medical Leave Act. That's it. Okay. That okay. Got. And that you, was that what? You, how many that weeks? You're guaranteed 12 weeks of unpaid work, but with your insurance and job security. Okay. So and you just can't get fired, but you're not making any money. Correct. And, and you, you also keep your, and you keep your insurance. So that, you know, and that's sort of the bare minimum that hasn't changed. That's what people have across the country, you know, um, New York City, (coughs) like specifically led on this issue. And I mean, I hear you the way you're responding. Clearly, it's it's not enough. It's not long enough. It's Mm -hmm. not, you know, realistic. I mean, do you remember your child at six weeks? Like kind of just a peanut. Not seriously. Like no, a they were. They were. They, no, they need you. Like yeah, for sure. So I, I went back back to work after three months. And th- see, the thing is, is that I'm not completely up to date on policy because I work for an international company, mm. and they were um, lovely enough and um, honestly scoffed at the U.S. Uh, laws. They wanted to make sure they weren't violating any laws, but they were like, that's all you get. They're like, no, we're going with these laws and this is what you're getting because that's crazy. Yeah. Um, It's a, I think I had like two and a half months, but they're brand new. I mean, they're brand new still. The next four, four weeks, I think I was on um, FMLA because I definitely still had my insurance. Obviously it's, super important to have insurance during the first months of your child's life. You are at the doctor, like you said, Susanna, Mm -hmm. every single week. So I could not even imagine the audacity of someone taking away my health insurance when I most need it or when my baby most needs it. Paid for six weeks. For me, I I wasn't even supposed to be doing much walking for the first six weeks because I had a C-section. Oh gosh. So So, um, I mean, are we setting our families up for success? Now I'm somebody with resources coming from a manager perspective, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, and wages, managerial wages. And I, you know, work for the beloved mayor de Blasio and know him personally. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you see me up here. What's up, homie. Yeah. And I'm still out here wondering how am I going to pay my student loans, which for me, um, you know, with the lens of always having public service, just thinking, this isn't right because many, many, many other women are not being set up for success. Right. And that means our babies are not being set up for success. And um, I, and it's an issue that I'm very passionate about because I, I think it's real and it connects to sort of our just g- general livelihood. And, you know, one of your questions was, why is this political? And my answer is access. If you don't have access to wellness and to care, and if as a new mom, 
yo, we were so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. We're like, I mean, I felt right. like never, I felt more connected to my mammal sisters where I was just like, hella like in the house. I was nursing. I was like, get, it's very primal being, time. That's actually the word. Yeah. And it's a, it's, and it's a beautiful time for sure at best. Um, it's a really rough time at worst. You're feeding around the clock. And can you imagine you're, tired. you're also like, then have this t- back to the website, uh, web issues, like have this sort of pressure on you to be breastfeeding, to be beautiful, to do this. And it's like, yo, you're telling me to breastfeed, but I got to go back to work in six weeks or eight weeks. I'm just trying to survive right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, you know, I had the privilege of taking off more time because I, because we had planned for it and I had wanted to do that. And it sort of was a non-negotiable for me, but I still it think it's crazy that it you are saying a privilege because it, it almost should be the standard. It, it, I, I, I just I'm glad for you privilege. that you were you able to saying? No, for sure. And that's that's <laughs> wonderful that you are saying that because um that's always a big talking point for me of of having just people in general admit their privilege no matter who we are and where we are. I mean, even as people of color, we still live in New York. Sure. And that's a huge privilege to, you know, a lot of other people in, in this country. So I, I appreciate that, but I I, I just wonder well, here's here's a question for you, because I, I get into this debate very often and I wonder, you know, so so you kind of have like mid-level, middle class pay bracket, right, that that gets these benefits. And um, would you say that people that are just getting by, right, um, sort of like the working poor, if you will, um, are forced into taking on all kind of public services because of these types of acts because i mean that's that's kind of like a very evil sort of cyclical cycle of poverty poverty systems of oppression yeah Yeah. i mean yes because what the hell else would you do i mean if you work at like mcdonald's or if you are a daycare um, worker a daycare worker if you're admin i mean all all of these uh all of those positions that our city relies on, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, I send, yeah. little, I send Rafi to little nursery, like a I, bus I, driver. I see and respect, right. I mm-hmm. see and respect the people that care for him every day and wonder, you know, wow, this is real. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, when somebody says, Oh, I have a podcast and I want to, you know, galvanize mothers and mothers voices, you know, there's no more powerful voice than our own from our own experience to say, Hey, let's get together and really talk about what leave looks like. Um, since the mayor has passed the six weeks for the city workers specifically, um, the state actually moved and passed, uh, governor Cuomo passed, uh, paid parental leave for the state as well. It's actually a family leave. If your for, family member all, is ill and that is going to be phase, it's phasing in, uh, it's being implemented. It started in January, 2018 for eight weeks, leave at 80% of your salary. Okay. Mm, that's great. Yeah. And so that is an, an enormous help. I mean, you know, eight weeks is longer than six weeks. 80% isn't 100, but you know, it's, it's, I think things, the more pressure we can put on, um, as moms, as community members, as people that just like have humanity. Um, I think that we can continue to move the ball, obviously on the federal level, you know, I don't know what the hell we have, what kind of hope we have there, but it's just an important conversation that we need to keep going. Eight weeks isn't enough. You know, we, 12 weeks isn't enough. Honestly, I think I remember hitting 16 weeks and being like, okay, kind of like go back to work. Go back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't ideal for me. I didn't want to. And I work on a different, like I was, a, it was in the middle of the summer for me. So for me, I was like, I would rather just go start beginning of school year. But, you know, I feel you like were 16 ready weeks mo- yeah, four months feel like, right. Four months definitely felt better. Like at least you have it a was, choice. If you want to go back earlier, go back earlier. Go, yeah. But like. 16 yeah, no. weeks feels like, okay, you kind of have a baby. You know, they're like a little bit more baby interactive. Yeah, six weeks, they're still. They can't, even, they can't do much. I, think I just, that's, she's oh, incredibly po- positive. I mean, your outlook, obviously you, you work, you are a civil servant. Sure and am. so I, I love the positivity. I, I tend to, <laughs> no, I do. I appreciate it because I like the, we have to keep pushing forward because if everyone just kind of took on like, my um the government doesn't fuck with women you know like blatant you know because that's how i feel for a lot of policies that are in place just blanket statements i mean i I don't think we would get much anywhere we have a lot of marches but we definitely wouldn't be changing policy the, the way that you're affecting it so um thank you and you know please continue to to push because 
I mean, you, you would think that these motherfuckers didn't come from a woman. You well, would think that they don't have moms. I just googled. It's disgusting. I'm. <laughs> Do I'm they not have outraged. wives? I mean, I'm, I'm. I'm constantly outraged the pressure that is put on us to, you know, be modern women in New York City, to be modern women in general, right? To keep up a household, to look good doing it, to yeah. this, that, the third, yeah. to also have a baby, to also keep your career on point, like. How am I supposed to keep my career on point or even my mental health on point if I have a newborn? I'm feeding him around the clock and I need to be at work because I'm not going to get paid. Yeah. Or when I come back to work and my pumping room is insane and it's like I have to listen to enrollment projections while my boobs are out and I'm listening to colleagues like... <laughs> Or, um, or you're in going back into your office and people are telling you to pump in the fucking bathroom, which but, is actually so, illegal. But how is it? Yes. Oh, thank you. Please know. Well, but why is it that we're the only country that has like these rigid laws? Like I just did a quick Google search. Like I was telling you guys earlier, and it says that new mothers in the UK get 52 weeks. And that translates to what? A year a, and a, a year. month or two? A year. You know, two weeks is a full is a year. year. So then and then <laughs> 39 of which are partially paid at 80 percent. Wow. The the company that I work you see for. What we could do yeah. To keep our people happy. There's real possibility and opportunities there. And it's not going to come easy and it's not going to come without people like you ladies who planned or didn't plan to have your children who are, you know. But it's still all right. I mean, it's still all right to do so. And I feel like you're almost punished um, for making a decision when you didn't, when you're not engaged to the gazillionaire that can then oh, like right. gladly pay for, you know, the it's four nannies and the night nurse and you can just take off gladly and, and it's still tough, it you know, just should yeah. But when you, you, you mentioned something earlier, which is when you guys were, you know, working on this, on this change on how people were thinking, where are we going to get the money from? Mm-hmm. Well, that government loves that question. I, but I, I love it's it's offensive because, you know, where are you? This is New York City. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't speak for other cities, but this is I know that things cost a lot of money. But my God, my God, like these are your these are your constituents that are being born here. These are your future constituents. This this these are if, if you don't if you are not finding money i mean take money out of i don't even you know i'm not well versed in like uh budget political budgets um but you don't need to be to there's be a good money advocate. somewhere <laughs> totally. My, there's money Prior- priorities somewhere, are bro. priorities yeah and if you're talking about employee effectiveness if you're talking about you want more women in leadership positions um yeah, then you can't yeah. talk to both sides. Of, you need you to know, make sure that you are supporting mouth. women in leadership positions by making sure that there are family friendly policies mm. for working people. Mm. And so that, that was going to be my exact question. How do we how do our listeners get involved? Well, I mean, I'm just going to throw out some ideas of policies that are sort of percolating and that should be pushed further that I think could use, you know, your support, anybody's support, um, paid leave. Obviously, on the federal level, on the state level, on the city level, for all of our workers, for all of our people, no matter where they are, pushing private companies to also do the same Um, job and security. So not take deciding to take five months, but then returning to a demotion. Mm. Not okay, Right. We are all counting all of our coins. And if you're a mom, they're earmarked. So making sure that does that happen in the city? To come back to a demotion because you had a kid? Absolutely. Because you... In what sector? In education? Uh, yeah. I'm just ac- across sectors. And it's mm-hmm. anecdotal, right? I'm not here to, you know, sure, sure, name sure. names. But it's just something that, you know, we don't... We don't... We as moms, we as women don't name because we don't have the platform to. Mm-hmm. And so, as I said, the second I saw this, I was like, let me talk about this. Because we want to talk... We want to... I mean, at writ large, the converse, the narrative is we want to see more women you know, run for office, more women of color in leadership positions. Well, how are we going to do that if we don't have paid leave? How are we going to do that when we come back to work and there's no place to pump? The bathroom is not a legal place to pump. And yet people still are being directed there to this day. Yeah. Um, So what we're doing at the department, um, we organized a DOE moms group because we need each other. Yeah. Also, I was a new mom and I just needed help. Like, how do you all do this? And I mean, I looked at these women of, of, of leadership positions and was like, no, seriously, I feel like I've been rushing for two years. Like, mm-hmm. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we created this group. We ultimately got the conditions in the pumping rooms, 
much you know improved we also got additional pumping rooms because we were fighting over an outlook calendar that was hard to access and insane um i had three slots every single day 11 30 to noon 1 30 to 2 and 3 to 3 30 and if i missed those slots somebody else was depending on their slots and i mean if we're encouraged which we are to exclusively feed breastfeed our children and we can do that or want to do that then how am i supposed to do that i mean Anyway, so this, I mean, it was it was a little cubicle. It was hot. It was cold. It was I was like basically sitting on a crate. So we got like new chairs. We got water. We got fridges in them. Like a humane to, space for you to do for you to feed your kids. We have to take our milk and find a fridge. It was and it, I'm all, and I'm already so vulnerable and a ball of hormones because I've just gotten back to work mm-hmm. and I have a little baby. And I'm not, and and I'm speaking for all the moms that do this, whether yeah. they adopt or they have foster kids. When you come back to work, it is a very, it's hard. It's a tough navigation. You're not the same. You remember that my mm-hmm. whole snapback frustration, like no one's going back. Mm-hmm. Right. I can't return my child. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think people can get involved by, you know, advocating more for leave. Um, obviously you know, lactation rooms should be equipped with a mirror. So it's, we're not having a leaky, uneven tit, which obviously we all have when you come mm-hmm. out of that room and you're having a weird, um, <laughs> and you know, I mean, there's, you know, plenty of other things that I think we should be thinking about, you know, providing daycare in our workspaces, um, <laughs> getting tax credits for daycare. That would be school. amazing. I mean, the list goes on and on because, you know, this, the bills are insane. Um, and the weight of, I guess I just think the counter narrative of, Hey, you're a woman, you should be in, you know, pursuing these leadership positions. And then yet no, um, Paul, not enough policies to support that. Um, and to support my family and my family's wellness from my son to my partner and myself. Um, it just isn't right. Yeah. Would you, <clears throat> here's going to be one of my, one of my bomb statements that I just dropped. We need like a, a sound. Um, Yeah. <laughs> I I oftentimes uh, find myself thinking that New York City, just because it's the city where I live and have lived for the majority of my life, doesn't doesn't love families. It it's um you know the paid leave situation, um, the the lack of just places to physically be with a, a baby, mm. um, the daycare. Uh, casino that is happening, and 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 I also understand. Fortunately, <laughs> I love you call it a it's a fucking casino, and I think it's it's rude, and it's and it's. I mean, I toured daycare facilities, and like you said, every every parent should have the right to send their kid to a safe, quality school, and even more so with infants that can't speak, correct, and that you don't have the luxury of leaving. Uh, your kid with mom because mom also works because she also lives in New York City and or or aunts or whatever and and bless people that are able to do that Marlene is one that she you know she has an awesome you know support system but they're also human beings and you know me looking for childcare I I I, I often say that childcare is the biggest scam and why mm. why do people want to get into real estate where childcare is where the money is really at mm. um but yeah we don't pay our workers but we don't pay our workers and so it's such a it you what know it's it? such an evil uh what do they do with cycle. that cycle what do they do with it it's three thousand dollars for a full time you know, Bright Horizons. Per, no, that's every daycare. single. I I toured. I no lie, and and Marley will not let me lie. No, no less than fifteen daycare facilities. 15. Bright Horizons, le- the learning experience, all those like thirty five hundred really to ones. four thousand yeah. dollars a month. I'm like, that's more than my rent. Seriously, God forbid you Who got like a meal that? plan for your child. It's another thousand dollars. And we are on. not. I mean, and I, you know, I, I don't know you well enough, but we are not the working poor. No, anymore. not a, not by any stretch of the imagination. Exactly. What's funny is, is that my my parents were absolutely the working poor, and and my come up is now. Like I can say, you know, that I'm a strong kind of like working middle class. We're a working class fam. I mean, middle class family, and and yet. I don't qualify for anything. Nope. 
Me neither. I don't qualify for anything. And and I have people in my family that are still very much the working poor and they qualify for a lot of things. And I I can't help but get frustrated because I'm like, wait a minute. So what was the point of going to college? Because now I have all of this debt. I have, you know, daycare. I, I Luckily, I found a gem of a daycare facility. But, I, you know, people were trying to sell me a four thousand dollar facility. You know, I finally got to live in the nicest area that I've ever lived in in my entire life. Right. We are able to raise our son in a beautiful neighborhood. And it's almost like we're being punished Mm, for 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 having a kid, for having gone to school, for becoming working, tax paying, law abiding citizens somehow. And yet we're still screwed at every point, at every point of life. It literally feels like like damned if you do and damned if Right. You don't. It's like why did we do this? No, I mean I, I don't and think so that's there's why I one say, New Yorker that doesn't right. agree with you, you know? I mean, I feel the exact same way. Yeah. Um and it's brutal. It's brutal. And uh, I think that if we start asking people that have physical space in their buildings, like uh, if we worked in a building like a a DOE building or other city buildings um, to provide daycare so that maybe I didn't need to pump, but I could bring my kid there or that there were more opportunities. There's fed kids that exists in Federal Plaza. That's Mm -hmm. um, a Bright Horizons program, but it's like fed ed, which is uh, it's F dot E dot D. Right. I've seen those. I've seen. Is it is it like dot 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 in between? Is I don't it fed know. Kids? Oh, okay. maybe. But it is that. Yeah. Um, and so it's reduced. It? Then the it's reduced Pride Horizon, but basically federal employees in the Federal Plaza building on Broadway. They have them and, in the Bronx also. And, um, I want to say I've between seen Worth them. and some something. Uh, they get to send their kids there for like hella subsidized hmm. pricing, which is just what I feel like we should have. Anywhere. For everyone. Mm. Or at the very least, um, reintroduce an education tax credit so that when we are paying uh, for whatever we choose for our kids, that at least we get something back. I love that. Um, that could support, my God. support family. That is my God. pretty I mean, incredible. I've never even thought of that concept, but that would... I mean, people come that up would with make all it... types of reasons of why not to have them, but ultimately, you know, women are not working less... Women are not becoming mothers less. Women don't want to improve less. Yeah. Right? So why not support all of that upward mobility? I mean, look at us. We have very young children and mm-hmm. we're out here having this discussion because clearly we think something is worth pushing. Absolutely. I was out working a town hall last night in Forest Hill, Queens. I was out working an event on Monday night in Sunset Park with the community. Like, I don't do this because I want to be away from my kid. In fact, I'm sure like you at some points, like it brings tears to my eyes. But if we have a platform to be able to say something that's meaningful and to give back, then we need to do it. And we need to take every single opportunity to say something about it. And that does mean improving paid leave, making sure there are lactation rooms available for every single kid. And I think thinking about daycare credits and or making universal daycare available for all of our kids, the same way we're thinking about 3K and pre-K, which mm-hmm. is an enormous lift and absolutely an amazing priority of the administration. But I can't help but my lone lived experience, which is, damn, I have a zero to two year old and I have nowhere to take him or take going broke for no reason. Yeah. And I, too, found a really amazing neighborhood place. Mm -hmm. Um, Good for you. Is not three thousand dollars a month because that's just not realistic. I mean, because that's just crazy. But but they were realistic for anyone's budget. Like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Because Chelsea, I would assume that you would just walk in and and it would everything would be organic and lovely and beautiful. And I I need my kid to be nurtured. I I I need my kid to socialize. I don't need the fanciest anything. I say that also. I don't need him to learn Mandarin. He's too. I just want to make sure that he's clean. (laughs) Baby yoga or baby yoga, which is a scam anyway. Like, I just want him to to be happy and to socialize and to play with Legos or dolls or whatever, whatever, exactly. You know, do finger stuff. Um, (laughs) Totally. Question. Yes. What do you, what are your thoughts on this sort of very big move on um, moving away from the public school system and into uh, why, why is my mind going blank into the other, the alternative types of schools, charters, charter, charter schools. schools. Oh, I was going to ask you about that also. because now Are you involved with that's kind schools? of, that's kind of the move. They're all of our students. 
Yeah, that's kind of the move. Um, I feel like it's the new wave and, and, and not everyone obviously can can afford uh, private schooling in New York because that's a whole other. But charter um, schools are free and I th- but it's via lottery. So I'm, I'm asking, you know, what what are your thoughts on that? Because I have a lot of friends in education, a lot of teacher friends, and they they have very strong opinions about charter schools. But, but before you answer that or, or while you're answering it, could you tell us the difference between we could start there? Yeah. The educational program in a charter school versus a public school, because I think okay. I'm still confused there. Bare bones difference is that charter schools and, and traditional public schools, I'm just going to call them traditional public schools for the sake of this conversation. Um, charter schools operate by their own charter. Mm-hmm. That's hence the name. So that means they make their own discipline rules, own parent engagement rules. They can set their own day schedules. They can um, set their school year at different times, starting in August, ending in June, whatever they whatever they like by their own charter. Um, public schools, traditional public schools, are mandated are are operated by the governance of the city and the state, right? So our our um, our uh, requirements to move up in a grade, our requirements for teacher qualifications, for testing purposes, for um, not curriculum, because a lot of different schools use different things and have different philosophies like progressive, et cetera. I mean, no, there's no one same school in New York City. Um, but if you want to suspend a kid, you have to go through the same process. If you want to fire a teacher, you have to go through the same process. Right. Um, so there's a basic governance. And then private is just its own. Yeah, it's own pay for it. You pay. I mean, you pay at will. Right? Yeah. So charter schools are public. Uh, they're called public charter schools, right? As as parents or public members, you don't need to pay to go to them. They are partially funded by the um, city and state, but can also do their independent fundraising. Um, and a lot of that's the criticism that some of my my teacher friends have. Yeah, I'm I'm giving you sort of the m- most like not political answer. I'm just actually trying to provide as much facts. So some charter operators, like a success, like an uncommon, like a Kip, have huge hedge funders on their board or, or people who have access to a lot of additional resources that can help do a lot of different things right at best for the good of the kids. Right. Mm -hmm. Whether it's like nice shiny lights or it's smart boards, everyone gets an iPad or something like that. Um, and they can spend that right. Not with the same contract and procurement processes that the DOE has. Okay. So there's a lot more bureaucratic sort of rigmarole with a traditional um, public school at the same time. My original point was that every kid deserves to be sent. I mean, most parents, the call for parents, actually, it, the, the stat is 76% of parents want to send their kid down the block to a safe and quality public school. That's yeah. the premise. Just easy. And Nobody's, it should, it should it makes be. the most sense. Yeah, no one's trying to have a rigmarole of a choice and a confusion. We just want to feel like, oh, my kid is safe and I want to send him here. And I want to send him in walking distance so he or she can get home safe, right? right. Um, and for a lot of immigrant communities, the enclave is critical, pivotal to survival. So it's important that people stay close. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but naturally, you know, not all of our public schools are doing great. And so the idea was, let's just do these sort of education labs and create charter schools. Actually, the first one was created by the, um, Ameri- uh, the teachers union. And it ultimately sort of since then has deviated long after the original conception and has sort of been a challenge for labor. This administration has made it a priority to focus at resources and invest in our traditional public schools because we believe that's the system that we serve and the system that we built and ultimately serves the majority of our 1.1 million students. Um, All charter school students are our kids, right? They come from down the block. We're all cut from the same cloth. So uh, I would say the the major difference is that they operate by their own charter and the traditional public schools operate by DOE. Are kids supposed to, though, are parents supposed to continually send? Because, I mean, there's a lot of us like, you know, Marlene and I are very fortunate that we are able to live in like a nicer area in the Bronx. But a lot of our family members and people that we know and love are not. And they have to go to local schools. And, you know, are you just supposed to suck it up until the Department of Education decides to correct these schools? I mean, all the while your kids are getting screwed up. Like, so, I mean, what what does our do? You know, I think that you're exactly right. People want to send their kids down the block to the local school where they know the teacher, where they can walk back and forth and people are watching them. And you don't want to go to some foreign shiny entity. I mean, I think that 
I think that you do that only because you see what's happening and it's been proven that kids are failing. Yeah. Parents want the best for their kids. And so your balls against the wall, you're not going to move. You know, you can't (laughs) funny, funny story, funny sidebar. But, but years ago when I was a very, very young girl, I had my first apartment by the time I was 17 in not a very good area off of Gun Hill road in the Bronx. And I got robbed, right. They had broken into my apartment and they robbed me. And I mean, I didn't have anything. I was 17. Like, what did I have? Like a little gold chain from like my quinceanera. And and I didn't have anything. I didn't have money. But they broke in nonetheless. And I remember the cops telling me, you live here by yourself? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you need to move out of here. The cops, right? And I'm like, yeah. My, all my money in the world just paid for this down payment for the support like where am I going and so I feel like with that same narrative people will turn down their nose to people and say you know you shouldn't send your kids to those schools I mean Mm. obviously like it's almost like again being punished for working within the confines of what you can and so I just don't know I don't know what parents are supposed to do while the city gets their shit together. Um, you know, very there's no, there's no easy answer to that, yeah. except that you have to organize and yeah. you got to like take your little time that you got and just organize. Mm. I mean, there's, and there's lots of reasons why people don't, I mean, you know, immigration of, is a big one. Yes. It, it <laughs> really know? is. People haven't even, I mean, people have anecdotally said they didn't want to come to public meetings after Trump and after sort sure. of ice raids everywhere. So I totally hear that. And um, rightfully so, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're asking a question that doesn't have a simple answer. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't expect you to answer it. I'm just, I guess, um, expressing. Yes. Please do express. No, it's, it's a tragedy, but, um, there always has to be opportunities. And as a mom, as moms, I feel like it is part of my personal legacy to make sure that I carry the torch and make it easier for working moms that come after me. Yeah. You know, my mom had a, had a really hard go at it. Um, but she did it like the rest of us are doing it. Mm. And and then she had, you know, had me and I became a working mom. And I think it's just my call to make it easier for the next round of working moms that, you know, can have better leave or better access to lactation rooms and better, obviously, I mean, the, the big mission to have better access to schools no matter where they live. Yeah. Because that's that's what we deserve. Yeah. That's what we deserve. Before we wrap up, I do want to give and I don't know her, but I want to give us. A- a shout out to your mom. Thank you. Because I think that you wrote so beautifully about her um, kind of like in our pre questionnaire. And maybe I'll post it a little bit later because it was really it was really lovely. But I think how fortunate and maybe you've I don't know if you've thought about it on your journey this way, but how lovely for someone in the world to willingly put themselves through such a hard time in order to take a life in and say, I don't, this is more important than anything. This is more important than paid leave. This is more important than, you know, me having extra money. Cause she would have had tons of it, you know? And, yeah. um, you know, yeah. I was raised by a single mom and I think about that, like how wonderful and special that is. And I'm sure that that, um, trickles down and affects your, you know, magical mothering. It totally does. Um, she rescued Magic. me. Yeah. You know, and I think as adoptees, we have this overwhelming sense of responsibility to our relationship, mm-hmm. not just responsibility because we're good daughters and hopefully we are, but that, you know, she did something and I, ha- it is up to me to carry it forward um, and to pay it forward in some way. And so I, um, again, was drawn to your podcast. I am a woman of color. I am making motherhood up just like the rest of us yeah. and making it work for me. Um, and I'm being intentional. Um, but you know, it's a lot of winging it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is. And so, um, you know, I just, I'm really thankful for the opportunity to shout out my mom. Cause you know, I think you asked, where did you get your start? I said, my mom, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. You know, I could have said I volunteered and then I did this and then I did that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, really, it's my mom. And so I owe it to other mamas to organize with you guys and fight alongside you. We have a whole future ahead of us to raise. And we got sons. Yeah. We got the men of the future. Right. Right. I take that seriously. (laughs) Yeah. It's so seriously. It's so it's a very serious 
um, task. So, you know, saying all that to say, I'm, I'm really thankful for the opportunity to speak with you. Thank both, you. Um, to talk shit with you both. Thank you. To rap with you both. <laughs> always, always. And to, you know, just sort of keep galvanizing the badass mamas that are out here yeah. doing it our way. Mm-hmm. Sadie, please, please invite us to any, any events that you have that you think that we could, you know, thrive and help out yeah. and bring to our community of, of mamas. Um, we'd love to attend. Yeah. Seriously. Where can we follow you or where can our uh, followers follow you or find more more out about you do you oh want to shout goodness. yourself out i'm not i mean <laughs> come on you come on don't get shy now um <laughs> no, my ideas are good but i don't know about my social media game it's not that good um, uh, i'm on twitter at sadie uh, el campo amor and i'm on um, instagram also at sadie el campo amor i was named after my mom my you know my mom's like Russian old godmother. So that's the weird spelling of Sadie. <laughs> My last name was Vassal before I got married, which is a shortened name at Ellis Island and it's Greek. So you can imagine I'm already ambiguously brown. My name ambiguously Sadie Vassal. What in the hell? So <laughs> that was actually why I took my husband's last name because I was like, no, I am Latina. I you look something. like a Campo Amor for sure. Thank you very yeah. much. And that's a, like beautiful, that's a beautiful that's a beautiful last name. It was like something, you know, not as beautiful. I no, but yeah, I, I took it because I wanted to make sure that I was finally associated with, rightfully with my people as a Latina. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I feel like we both feel uh, really awesome to know that we have someone working for us on our side, on our side. And it feels really great. And we are super privileged to have you here today. So thank you so much. Um, you guys, again, you can follow Sadie at Sadie, S-A-D-Y-E, El Campo Amor, just that way. Um, thank you so much. This is wrapping up Mama Shen Wai. Boom, 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 boom.